Episode 65 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on January 1st, 2018. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, I ring in the new year by taking a look back at 2017. I'll review where things started and how things ended and tell you if SWOTOR had a good year or a bad year. I'm a week late with episode 65 because I got sucked down a rabbit hole researching the eight class stories. I'll tell you about a crazy idea I had for playing the game. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 65 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. But before I get to that, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. And Happy New Year, everyone. It is good to be back, although I didn't intend to be gone. I want to apologize for not doing a podcast last week. I just needed a little break, and I also found myself going down a rabbit hole trying to plan something I want to do in-game. I always thought it was neat how the original class stories, companion stories, and planetary story arcs were all just one big story. So I started wondering if it's possible to play all of these stories simultaneously and in an order that plays out like one giant story. I allowed myself to get sucked into doing a bunch of research. One of the things that I discovered is this question has been asked a number of times and in a number of places, but I was having a hard time finding a definitive guide on the subject. My research did take me to a site called Star Wars Timeline Gold. It's the creation of a guy named Nathan Butler who put together a timeline of events for the entire Star Wars universe, which includes Star Wars The Old Republic. It's an impressive feat, but alas, his timeline for Star Wars The Old Republic is wrong. First, it doesn't take into account the planetary story arcs, and they're important to the overall story, especially Corelli and Voss. But the main issue is that he doesn't have the bounty hunter and Imperial agent story starting until after the Jedi Consular is in Chapter 2. And this is based on Kaizen Fess's story where he contacts Mako for help. Butler is assuming that Mako is still working for Brayden when this call is made. That's a pretty big assumption and one that I think is wrong. I watched the conversation with Mako and there's no mention of Brayden being dead or alive. It's ambiguous, but given when it takes place in the story and the fact that the writers probably didn't want to spoil anything related to the Bounty Hunter story, like I just did, I think it's safe to assume that Mako is with the Bounty Hunter when the call is made. Well, after much searching, I finally stumbled on a forum post from April of 2017 called Class Storyline Order by Planet for Altaholics and Others. I haven't read through it all yet, but it's pretty good, and I plan to use this as as my starting point. One thing I don't think it does is decide which characters should do the various planetary stories. They can't all be done by every character. For example, the Sith Inquisitor, Sith Warrior, Bounty Hunter, and Imperial Agent can't all free the Dread Masters. I'll have to pick one, and the same goes for all of the other planets. My goal is to create a new legacy of eight characters and play them simultaneously 
as if it were one giant story. It's like Avengers for Star Wars. I don't know when I'll start this or if I'll stream it. I'm considering that. Once I reach a point when I am ready to start, I'll let you know. But I do find the whole idea intriguing. Moving on to some real things that you can do in-game, the events calendar now includes activities that run through the end of January. The Life Day event is still happening and will end on January 10th. The 6th year anniversary rewards vendor will be available until January 17th. Bounty Contract Week is set to begin on January 9th. And finally, the Rat Ghoul Plague outbreak on Tatooine will start on January 23rd. And that's it. No word on what comes next for Star Wars The Old Republic. So with that, let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. And now that 2018 is here, I want to take a look back at 2017 in everything that happened in Star Wars The Old Republic. If you were to list all of the accomplishments for 2017, you'll find it's a very impressive list. A new operation, five new uprisings, two new flashpoints, a new war zone, a new GSF map, new daily area on Iocath, new storyline, part of which was written with the help of famed Star Wars author Timothy Zahn, two new flashpoints, server merges, two new strongholds, class balance changes, three returning companions, Quinn, Alara Dorn, and Ensign Temple, an improved group finder, two cantina tours, various quality of life changes such as legacy credits, new speeder ranks, the new galaxy map, and the ability to humiliate Theron Shan and Shea Vizsla by dressing them in any and all manner of ridiculous outfits. And, of course, there were improvements to Galactic Command. That's just a sampling of what BioWare accomplished with the game this year, and while it sounds like a lot, it didn't always feel like a lot. That's in part because of our innate ability to consume content faster than Bioware can produce it, and also because much of it was delivered in the latter part of the year. November was a pretty big month. To understand what type of year it was, we need to go all the way back to January and the state of Galactic Command. If 2016 ended on a high note with Knights of the Eternal Throne and the thrilling conclusion to the Zakul story, then 2017 began with the orchestra getting run over by an Umbaran freight train. And therein lies one of the biggest disappointments of 2017, the amount of time, effort, and resources that were put into improving Galactic Command. When 2017 kicked off, the state of Galactic Command was not good. The only way you could obtain gear was through crates, there was also a weekly cap on CXP that players weren't supposed to hit, but like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. To make matters worse, the speed at which you earned command ranks was slower than a first-order dreadnought pursuing a resistance cruiser running on fumes. Galactic Command was bad, but salvation was on the way on January 23rd. The first set of sweeping changes to the system were released as part of Game Update 5.1. Command tokens, unassembled gear pieces, unassembled components, and the associated fleet vendors were, were added to the game. You earned unassembled components through PvP, and unassembled gear pieces dropped from ops bosses sometimes. Bioware couldn't quite release their grip on the RNG which defined the system, and ops bosses only had a chance to drop unassembled gear pieces for any slot. The further into the operation you got, the higher the chance. A few weeks later, on February 7th, 
Game Update 5.1.1 was released, and with it came the first CXP event. There was a new CXP boost, the CXP cap was raised, and CXP bonus packs were now bind on Legacy. Game Update 5.1 and 5.1.1 didn't solve the system's gearing issues, but it did open the CXP floodgates, and players were now able to race from 1 to 300 at a breakneck pace. Of course, this revealed imbalances with the content, the Fractured Uprising, and Master Mode Chapters 1 and 2 of Knights of the Fallen Empire were fonts of CXP. I got my first character to rank 300 grinding Chapter 2. On February 28th, Game Update 5.1.2 went live and provided a number of CXP balancing improvements. Most of these came in the form of buffs for operations, flashpoints, and weekly missions. The CXP rewards from the Fractured Uprising was nerfed, but Master Mode Chapters 1 and 2 were left alone. The CXP event remained in effect until Game Update 5.2, which went live on April 18th. So there we were almost five months into the year and major changes were still happening to Galactic Command. While Game Update 5.1 focused on how quickly we earned CXP and Command ranks, Game Update 5.2 changed how we geared. Many players looked at the CXP event and felt that the speed of getting through each tier was how it should have been all along. BioWare agreed and when the event ended, the base CXP rate was increased close to what it was during the event. All enemies now granted CXP. There was a 100% CXP boost that worked for all command ranks. The biggest changes, however, came to the gearing itself. Tier 4 gear was added to the system, and players at rank 300 would earn Tier 4 from their crates. And the big thing about Tier 4 was that the prototype quality gear came with a set bonus. Tiers 1 through 3 were redesigned so that the higher you got in rank, the more likely you were to get a piece of gear with a set bonus. Operations bosses now drop specific unassembled gear pieces, and you could now plan out your gearing based on their loot tables. Story mode, story mode dropped Tier 2. Legendary and Veteran mode dropped Tier 3 Legendary. Master mode bosses dropped the new Tier 4 prototype and artifact quality gear. With the release of Game Update 5.2, Galactic Command was finally in a good state. The only remaining changes needed to put it in a really good place were to make unassembled components legacy-wide. That, of course, happened in November with Game Update 5.6. So as we start 2018, the state of Galactic Command is good. All players have access to the best gear in the game simply by doing whatever activities they enjoy, a philosophy that I can embrace. The system is tied to every single activity in the game and encourages players to get out of their comfort zones and try everything the game has to offer. If it weren't for Galactic Command, I never would have tried PvP. Spent most of Saturday evening running war zones to complete my conquest and earn a few crates. Galactic Command is in a good place and it's likely here to stay. I wouldn't expect new gear or tiers until there is another expansion. And it's unfortunate that the sweeping changes we saw in 2017 couldn't have been done sooner. Almost half the year was spent fixing Galactic Command and getting it to the point where it should have been all along. Perhaps if Keith Kanig was producer at the start of the year, things might have been different. Something we'll never know.
I mentioned SWOTOR producer Keith Koenig, and in April 2017, BioWare announced that there was a new sheriff in town. Ben Irving was moving on, and Keith was named producer for Star Wars The Old Republic. The announcement of Keith's promotion was well-received, although few, if any, players really knew much about him. The first thing Keith did was take the time to introduce himself, and in doing so, he tried to convey that he was one of us. In a letter to the community, he wrote, I've been with BioWare EA and SWOTOR for the past six years, where I've held a variety of positions and have always been a very active player with nearly 10,000 hours of gameplay, 28-plus characters, and tons of achievements. I love playing the game and participating in all different types of gameplay, with PvP being one of my favorite activities. So, when you have frustrations with the game, I'm likely having the exact same concerns. Keith also promised that things would be different under his watch. He said, The foundation between us has to be based on communication and feedback. I won't promise you something we can't deliver, nor will I purposely hide things you need to know. And for a while, communication was improved with Keith and others interacting with players on the forums. He even got creative director Charles Boyd to break a two-year hiatus from posting on the forums. First, Charles came in and teased us with adding weapons to the outfit designer, something that didn't make its way onto the schedule in 2017. And later, he treated us with an amazing post on Vitiate slash Valkorian's backstory and motivations for Knights of the Fallen Empire and Knights of the Eternal Throne. The reactions to this post were all over the board, and it didn't take long for responses from both players and developers to devolve into something that was no longer about Valkorian and story. And I mention this because I think it led to a decline in the developers coming to the forums to just chat. That back-and-forth banter that Keith was trying to start came to a sudden stop. Information was still flowing, none bigger than the spring and autumn roadmaps. In the spring roadmap, Keith wrote, We have been saying for a while now our focus this year is to return to massively multiplayer and group-based content. Since the launch of Knights of the Eternal Throne, we have already delivered a new daily area, a new operation boss, Tithe, the God of Rage, and the return of two companions. Our focus on gameplay improvements will continue throughout this year and will include revisiting existing game systems to provide enhancements where needed whenever possible. And to Bioware's credit, they did exactly what they set out to do. There is little to nothing that was promised in both roadmaps that they didn't deliver. It wasn't always on time, case in point the Yavin 4 Warzone, but they delivered the content promised in their roadmaps. Which brings me back to the big list of content I mentioned earlier. BioWare said they were going to focus on group content, and they gave us a new operation. The excitement over the first new operation since 2014 cannot be overstated. That excitement was tempered when it was learned that the release of the bosses would be staggered. While something was better than nothing, we enter 2018 with only three of the five bosses released. The good news was we got a new operation. The bad news is it feels like this is the first time they've ever made an operation and they're still figuring out how to do it. The operation wasn't the only group content. We got the new Warzone, the new GSF map, and two new flashpoints. To help make navigating that content easier, we got a revamped group finder, which is now called the Activities Window because it includes solo content. On the solo player front, we got a new daily area on IOCath, two new strongholds, and a new storyline that began on IOCath and had us journey to Umbara and Kapero. As for the story itself, 
It's to be continued, but if nothing else, it got us all talking about and wondering, is Theron Sean a traitor? Timothy Zahn consulted on the Capero story. No word if he was responsible for Theron's new hairdo. While we were fretting over the loss of Theron, we got Malavi Quinn, Alara Dorn, and Raina Temple back to help keep Odessan lively. There were numerous quality of life changes, including an overhaul to the galaxy map, faster mount speeds, and my favorite, legacy credits. For months, players complained about those overpowered mercs and underpowered sorks. Class balance changes eventually became a priority, and when we closed out 2017, they were done, and partially undone with those fancy new augments. While they were much needed, many players saw them as too little too late. Again, we were almost six months into the year before classes were addressed, and even then they were handled in stages rather than all at once. To their credit, Bioware did explain the reasoning for their approach, but classes in combat is something that affects everyone and is a part of almost every activity. And quite frankly, getting that right should always be priority number one. Of all the things Bioware delivered in 2017, nothing was bigger than the United Forces campaign and server merges. This was a hot topic for players even before 2017. When Bioware created a fresh thread on the forums for players to discuss the topic, many started to wonder if it could really happen. Bioware kept things pretty close to the vest, and it wasn't until the fall roadmap that the United Forces campaign was announced. When it comes to MMOs, server merges are a touchy topic because they're usually a sign that a game is on its last legs. It's a last gasp to breathe life into a dying game. Whether SWOTOR is dead or dying a death of a thousand paper cuts is a topic for another day. The United Forces campaign was not only viewed as necessary, but it was overall a great success. The transition was painless, and the servers are now more lively. Bioware delivered on a big player wish with the United Forces campaign, and it was a strong way to end the year. So, was it a good year, a bad year, the games last year? Certainly not that. Overall, I'd say it was mixed. The year started off on the wrong foot with the State of Galactic Command, and we still had that 800-pound Bantha in the room with no new operations since 2014. Galactic Command got fixed, but it took half a year to get there. We got a new operation, but only half of it. It was nearly 11 months before the class balance changes were complete, and while the story was good, it was too short. And this is Bioware's big problem. They release content on a regular cadence, but it's not sustaining and we consume it as soon as it's released. The gaps between Iocath and Bara and Capero are just too great. The story is released on Tuesday and you're done with it that same Tuesday and now have to wait three months for the next chapter. 2017 was all about getting the game back on track and returning Star Wars The Old Republic to its MMO roots. I think they accomplished that, and I think the game is in a much better place than where it started, but the pressure is on to make it even better in 2018. What am I hoping to see this year? The fall roadmap teased us with the conclusion of the story, where the traitor reveals his true plan once and for all. The final boss is in details about Master Mode from Gods from the Machine, an upgraded conquest system and new daily activity system with great rewards, more multiplayer gameplay experiences for both PvE and PvP. Beyond what was promised, I'd like to see the release of a new expansion, and with it a bold new story, a new operation released in its entirety, 
and something completely new that I can't come up with, but that people who get paid a lot of money to design games can and should. that was a year in review for Star Wars The Old Republic. As for myself, 2017 was pretty good. Thanks to you, this podcast picked up some steam and got the attention of Bioware, and I ended up in the Influencer Program. I attended the Cantina Tour at Star Wars Celebration, where I got to talk with Keith, Eric, and Charles. I also got to meet some of you as well. Quick shout out to Zen, who took the time to introduce me to some good folks at that Cantina Tour. I also got to meet Darren DePaul, the voice of Valkorian in Tithe. He was a delight to talk to and more than generous with his time. In-game, I did some guild hopping and re-engaged with group content. I've always enjoyed running ops, but hadn't done much of it since 2015. I also discovered Conquest, which I complete every week now. But the big change was giving PvP a try. Initially, I was in it for the unassembled components, but now I'm in it for the glory. So yeah, 2017 was pretty good, and I mostly have you to thank for it. Final note for today, if you saw The Last Jedi and thought that Moden Kennedy, the First Order officer commanding one of the Dreadnoughts, sounded a little familiar, you're right to think that Kennedy was played by Mark Lewis Jones, who did the voice for Darth Decimus in Star Wars The Old Republic. And that's going to wrap it up for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 65 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is sotarpodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at sotorpodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 66 on January 9th. Yeah, break is over. And remember the Sith Code. Take is alive.